Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Urbanowitz, your host for this episode of the Throwback FDNY podcast. Each show has three segments going back in time about the FDNY and its history. You can listen to all of the past episodes by going to the website of the New York City Fire Museum at nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny and choosing the digital platform you use for listening to podcasts. Now, let's start this month's show. In this episode of Throwback FDNY, we're throwing back to some segments from our earlier episodes. This month, we are revisiting some of the stories from the 19-teens, including in 1911, when John Kenlon was appointed chief of department. In 1914, when the department got its first ambulance for humans. And in 1919, when the department's band was formed. John Kenlon was born in County Louth, Ireland, near the seaport village of Anaganson. One day, while working the field of a local estate, he abandoned his mule and plow, headed for the boat races, and never turned back. At the age of 13, he signed on as a hand on the topsail schooner Margaret and Peggy and spent the next 14 years at sea. He chronicled his experiences in his autobiography, 14 Years a Sailor. During a visit to New York City, he attended a Broadway show. Towards the end of the third act, someone in the crowd yelled fire, and pandemonium ensued as they all clamored toward the main entrance. Kenlin realized that nobody was using the numerous side exits from the theater, so he went that route. But before escaping, he witnessed the arrival of the firefighters who quickly extinguished the growing blaze on the raised curtain. In his account of the incident, he said that the combination of realizing the safety and ease with which the theater could have been evacuated and his intent interest of watching the firefighters work made up his mind to leave his life at sea and become a New York City firefighter, which he did on April 2nd, 1887. His original assignment was Engine 24. Years later, he formed and became the first battalion chief in charge of the Marine Division. An examination for promotion to the rank of Deputy Chief of the Marine Division was ordered with the requisite that applicants had to hold pilots and master's licenses. Chief Kenlin was the only chief of battalion who could qualify, and after passing the examination, he was promoted to the specific title by Special Order Number 45, being the only officer to hold the rank of Deputy Chief of the Marine Division. Two years later, although the junior among Deputy Chiefs, he was first on the list for Chief of Department and became the head of the uniform force on August 1st, 1911. Under his command, the FDNY fought one of the most difficult structure fires of the time, the Equitable Building Fire in 1912. In 1913, Chief Kenlin penned an authoritative book on firefighting entitled Fires and Firefighting. Upon his retirement from the FDNY in 1931, Chief Kenlin moved to Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, where he spent the rest of his days. The museum has an extensive collection of artifacts from Chief Kenlin, including photographs, certificates, his helmet and uniform, and his official portrait. Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer Brown, the executive director of the New York City Fire Museum. Thank you for listening to our throwback FDNY podcast. 
we invite you to become a member of our wonderful cultural institution in Lower Manhattan. We preserve the history of the fire department in New York City, educate the public on fire and life safety, and celebrate the wonderful traditions of the FDNY. To learn more about our membership program and the perks it offers, go to nycfiremuseum.org. In episode 12 of our podcast series, I told you about Dr. Harry M. Archer, who was appointed as an FDNY honorary medical officer in 1907. You may recall that Dr. Archer responded on a voluntary basis to all greater alarms and rendered medical aid to injured members. Well, in 1914, Dr. Archer brought his services to a new level. In that year, the department purchased its first ambulance. Well, not exactly the first. The first ambulance was put in service in 1906, but it was only for horses. The 1914 rig was for humans. To look at photographs of the ambulance's interior, you are immediately struck by the lack of a movable wheeled stretcher as we are used to today. There was a bed on the driver's side of the vehicle with storage cabinets below. The bed could slide out to make it at least a little bit easier to place a patient on it and into the ambulance itself. On the passenger or officer's side was a hinged bench, once again with storage below. When raised, the bench provided more room in the aisle, and when lowered, it could accommodate either a second patient or the doctor. The ambulance was quartered in the firehouse of Engine Company 56th on West 83rd Street. Why was this location chosen? It was because Dr. Archer lived on West 82nd Street, so when a second alarm sounded, the chauffeur would drive Dr. Archer's bus, as it was known, and pick him up on Columbus Avenue. That is, if he hadn't already run the one-tenth of a mile to the firehouse. By the way, that firehouse is the quarters of Engine Company 74 today, where a photo of Dr. Archer hangs on the wall. At a fire, Dr. Archer would set up the ambulance as a first aid station. Photographs exist showing such an arrangement, with folding chairs and cots for patients, and folding tables for medical supplies. There was even a flag that could be flown declaring it as Dressing Station Fire Department. To be clear, this ambulance was not intended to respond to calls for aid from the general public. It was used for FDNY members only, either at a fire as the dressing station or to transport members to the hospital, whether from a fire or when off duty. If it was set up in its dressing station mode, one of the hospital or municipal ambulances would transport the injured person while the department ambulance remained on scene. That said, I found an article in the New York Sun newspaper with a story about how Dr. Archer sustained a broken nose when responding to a call to treat a woman at an elevator accident. So I suppose there may have been times when the department ambulance did, in fact, provide services to the general public under certain circumstances. This ambulance was replaced in 1923 with a Cadillac ambulance donated to the department by Honorary Deputy Chiefs Edward and William Kenny in memory of their father, Battalion Chief Thomas Kenny. The first annual report for this ambulance stated that it responded to 92 alarms and special calls, treated 278 patients, and traveled 1,401 miles. Quite impressive, I'd have to say. So began a long history of FDNY ambulances. But through the years, their service continued to be reserved for FDNY members only. At its height in 1965, the department fielded four ambulances, two in Manhattan, one in Brooklyn, and one in Queens. On a side note, 
When the FDNY Medical Division was opened in 1947, it and Ambulance 1, and later Ambulance 4, were located at 278 Spring Street, the current location of the New York City Fire Museum. Ambulance 3 in Queens was disbanded in 1974. And on September 25, 1987, the remaining companies became mobile medical units, basically providing non-emergency transportation of members to and from medical facilities. The end finally came on June 20, 1995, in anticipation of the next big change, the merger of New York City Emergency Medical Services into the FDNY. The Department's service of administering pre-hospital emergency care to the people of the city of New York has grown ever since. Hi again, it's Jennifer Brown, the Executive Director of the New York City Fire Museum. The Fire Museum's gift shop offers a large selection of official FDNY memorabilia, including shirts, hats, and souvenirs, and a large selection of books about the FDNY and the history of fire service. For your junior firefighters, the gift shop features children's firefighter gear, books, and toys. The gift shop is available year-round during the museum's opening hours, Wednesday through Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., or online at nycfiremuseum.org. When you heard in the introduction that I would be talking about the New York Fire Department Band, I'll bet the vast majority of our listeners thought that that would be about the FDNY Emerald Society Pipes and Drums. Nope, that's not the case. I'm talking about a full-blown, multi-instrument band. The first FDNY band was formed by seven members of the department in 1900, and they recruited a total of 40 musicians. But it only survived a few years. Then, in 1913, firefighter Thomas Richards secured the permission from Chief of Department Kenlin to organize a department band once again. He placed a notice in The Chief, the New York City Civil Service newspaper still in publication today. It read, quote, Members of the department, having any experience or knowledge of musical instruments, report to The Chief any day next week. End quote. Thirteen men responded. Together, they held a meeting to discuss the idea of forming a band, and on August 31, 1913, the band was born. Additional members were recruited from the uniformed force, and over the years, the band grew. At its peak, it had 85 members. It was a full marching band with a wide array of brass, woodwind, and percussion instruments. They performed at many functions, both within and outside the department. Many times in its history, the band participated in competitions and did indeed win several, including the 21st National Convention of the American Legion held in Chicago in 1939. They represented the FDNY American Legion Post 930, and they won a trophy that is now in the collection of the New York City Fire Museum. Interestingly, the band always had a leader from outside the department. The one guest leader who had the most enthusiasm was the consummate fire buff, Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia. On many occasions, including at the 1939 New York World's Fair, he would jump up on the podium, baton in hand, and in his typical energetic style, lead. A very rare artifact that exists from the band is a record they made in 1923. Yes, a vinyl record to be played at 78 revolutions per minute. The two-sided antique had two songs, President Coolidge March and Fire Call March. 
This band was not the only musical endeavor of FDNY employees prior to 1960. In 1920, Robert McGeary, an FDNY cable splicer, an accomplished military music expert, formed a bugle and drum corps. Unlike the band, he allowed any employee of the FDNY to join, regardless of rank or if they were uniformed or civilian members. In 1925, a glee club was formed under the auspices of the FDNY Holy Name Society of Brooklyn and Queens. I'll talk more about these groups in future episodes. As much as the department band was loved and requested, Commissioner Edward Cavanaugh decided to disband the group. He said his decision was based on the inordinate time off that its members had, adversely affecting other department activities, most notably an increase in the fire prevention program. The end came on June 1, 1958. Fortunately, the New York City Fire Museum has a large collection of artifacts from the band, including uniforms, badges, awards, and photographs. Having and preserving these rare historic items are a key responsibility of the department's museum. And now it's time for our throwback FDNY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. In what year did the FDNY make use of federal funding to begin the Model Cities Fire Safety Education Program? The answer can be found in our last episode. And remember, you can listen to that and all of our complete previous episodes by going to nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny. Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you by the New York City Fire Museum. With help from the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official philanthropic organization of the department. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this life-saving message. We continue to see devastating fires occur in our city caused by defective or mishandled lithium-ion batteries. The FDNY is urging the public to examine their micro-mobility devices and batteries for damage and to see if they are certified and to conduct other safety checks. For more information on lithium-ion battery safety, visit the website fdnypro.org. We can all do our part to be a partner with the fire department by promoting fire safety. Until next time, thank you and stay safe.